Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, you're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, and we have Christian Olison back on. Christian, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me back. It's yeah. A pleasure. And we're doing a live studio yeah. show today. Yeah. You like yeah. the studio? I love the studio. All right, great. You got the lights on you and yes, everything. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Cambria. There's been mm-hmm. a few updates since you last came on. So right. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, Cambria came out with earnings um, around the end of November. Okay. Stocks up about 15% on that news. Right. Uh, basically, they uh, increased their earnings for the last fiscal year by 25% over the previous year, whereas the rest of the industry, you know, all the peers are down right. because of the, um, the poor new car sales in the UK. Um, Cambria is up mostly because these new dealerships that I talked about last time I was on the show uh, are, as expected, going from startup losses to making some contribution to profits. Now, they don't break out exactly how much that is, but clearly that's, uh, that's what's behind most of the increase in earnings. And at the same time, they've done a really good job of um, controlling their costs. But you look at their results, and basically there's three categories for a car dealership. There's uh, new car sales, used car sales, and then what they call after sales, which is parts and service. Okay. And all three areas were up in, in the latest fiscal year. Uh, which is just an amazing accomplishment, uh, especially the new car uh, profit contribution, which is what's down across the whole industry. So, so why, why is that? Why are they doing so much better and outperforming their peers like that? They're doing so much better because they started five luxury dealerships, um, something like well, 18 to 24 months ago. They didn't all open at exactly the same time. But they opened two Bentley, two Lamborghini, and one McLaren dealership. Okay. There are also some other changes going on in their portfolio. Uh, But these are the main ones. Um, And these luxury dealerships, they have a significantly better profit contribution, at least when they mature. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's just a tremendous profit potential in these dealerships and um, you know I've I've been told by Cambria's management that when you start a new dealership from from the ground up a greenfield dealership uh, it takes about 18 months as a rule of thumb to get to break even and about five years to get to maturity in terms of profitability so there's all this untapped earnings basically exactly interesting yes and Basically, in the previous fiscal year, all of these dealerships were presumably losing money, and now they're, they've turned around, and like I said before, they don't break out exactly. But it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning, yeah. I mean, And what's, what's the earnings multiple right now on the company? So after the 15% increase in the stock price, it's now at 
about seven times trailing earnings. It was like six and a half before, I think, last time we talked. Something probably, like that. probably about six or something like okay. that, yeah. And the earnings keep going up. So, uh, so the it could, multiple it could is potentially not... even be cheaper now than it was when we talked based off this new information. Yeah, it's um, the multiple has not significantly changed. But the uh, situation has. The situation continues to evolve. They're executing on on their plan. Uh, yeah. And they're doing a great job of it, you know. Uh, and like I said before, it's amazing that they had this growth in the, in the profit contribution from new car sales, yep. uh, which is where the whole industry is down. And clearly, we can see that the new dealerships must be contributing a lot because um, these dealerships are still not contributing a lot in terms of used car sales and after sales because they're, uh, you need more of a... Um, I think more of a customer base, especially uh, with regards to after sales, to to really, you know, generate a lot of profit in those departments. Right. So, would you say a catalyst is just increased earnings over the next five years, and maybe even a potential buyout? Right. If these these dealerships mature a little bit, now you have some good properties, and you you sell it out to someone larger. Is that is so, that a possibility? You think? Uh, uh, selling the company. So, I would say, in terms of continuing to grow earnings. Yeah. Yes, that is what I expect to happen. Okay. Even if the um, even if the UK car market continues to be soft, I still think that Cambria will you know continue to to grow their earnings because right. they're so much more focused on the bottom line than their peers. The CEO Mark Lavery owns forty percent of the company, and he has an amazing track record of of growing per share value of this company. Um, and there's a lot of potential in these new dealerships, plus some other things that are going on. Yeah. In terms of selling the company, I, I don't think that that's something that's likely to happen anytime soon. Okay. Because um, I, I don't know that they can get a fair price for it at this point. I was saying in the next, after five years when these mature. Oh, maybe in that's five. What I, that's what I was saying. Yeah, maybe in five years or maybe a little more okay. is what I would guess. Uh, that would be the logical thing. And I think it would be very easy to sell the company, especially at that time, yeah. because this is a very consolidating industry. Cambria has great assets. Uh, they have great real estate. They have some amazing franchises in their portfolio, especially the luxury and premium dealerships, which yep. now dominate the portfolio. Uh, and, you know, in an industry that's consolidating um, and is still very fragmented and will continue to consolidate, I'm sure, for a long time, I think it should be easy to sell the company. That's my assumption. Yep. But Mark Lavery, who owns 40%, you know, I think he has a lot more to do. And he's not going to sell it at a stupid price. No, I, I don't think. And I think he's probably having fun growing the company. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he's not that old either. I think he's probably in his early 50s or something like that. So he's, he's really talented. I've, I've read quite a bit about him. Yeah, he's. Um, he, I think he's one of the the, the best CEOs. Well, if you're I've listening, you're an amazing CEO, and we love you. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, anything else about, about the company? I mean, you know, it has been that much time since we talked about it. But... So, I mean, I would just say. Um, do they buy back stock, by the way? No. That's the really the only thing that you could say that they maybe should be doing that they're not doing. 
the share count has been exactly hint, the hint, same. Wink, wink for anyone maybe listening right now. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? They're I think they're getting a good return yeah. on on the uh, investments that they are making. I okay. mean, if you look at these new well, I guess that's the thing is, would they make a better return investing in, with their investments or buying back stock or both? Right. You know, essentially, if they buy back their own stock, it's like increasing their own uh, owner. Well, it's like it's increasing the remaining shareholders percentage ownership sure. in the assets of the company, in effect. Um, and, um, you know, the stock's not very liquid. They certainly could buy back stock. and Or tender offer, maybe. Yeah, um, they, they could do that. I don't expect them to do that. I mean, they have... You know, they're ambitious in terms of growing the company, I think. Do, do they pay a dividend? Yeah, they pay a pretty small dividend. Okay. I think maybe the dividend yield is, I think, maybe a little north of 1% or something like Got that. It. And they actually just increased the dividend, but it's, it's pretty small. Um, I think Cambria, interestingly, even though you'd say it's a value stock, you know, trading at seven times earnings or thereabout, it's also a growth company, actually. Yeah. It's just a growth company priced like a value stock. Well, it, it's, uh, as Buffett and Munger would say, right, that all investing is value investing and mm -hmm. that growth is part of the value component. Yeah. And what I would say is the, the other thing that's really important to keep in mind and which to me was very important in deciding to invest in Cambria is just the long-term track record of increasing per share value and yeah. per share earnings of the company. Um, and I think that's, um, that's very important. It's something that's often underappreciated by the market. And well, because it, it has to do with automobiles, I think. So there's... And I think it's just, it's kind of boring, right? It's, um, you know, mm -hmm. people, people don't, um, people just don't pay much attention. And it's a little smaller. It. And the algorithms, right? You got to remember, most of the people in the market are not us anymore. We're mm -hmm. about 10% of market participants. So the algos dominate the market. And, and because this goes for a lot of the stuff that I think the two of us probably look at. I mean, I know personally the stuff that I look at. And often it's where the computer algorithms probably haven't, um, been buying up shares and there hasn't yeah. been some pattern or whatever they're not indexed. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of factors like that yeah i mean if so you it's a it's kind of a wacky time where some of the things that are cheap mm -hmm. you almost kind of can't overthink it because sometimes the only reason it's cheap is that an algorithm hasn't picked it up yet mm -hmm. yeah i think it's going to be a while before the algos pick up cambria unfortunately because i think the float now yeah. which is the 60 percent that's not owned by mark lavery is probably about 40 million pounds. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really a micro cap. But isn't that cool, though, that we're in a market where you can get information that comes out and it often really won't move the stock as much as it should because yeah. it's only us participating, not the algos? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very interesting. Because it used to be, right, where if something comes out, then you've already missed the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like it, it actually should be the fact that we already know all this we should have already. It should already now not it's, be it's, an actionable thing because it's, it's already should. common knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's market efficiency, and and that you know often happens. Uh, I think with Cambria, I think partly it's the fact that it's so small and illiquid. Yeah, I think a lot of people that I talk to. By the way, as we're using a Walker's manual as uh, the, the right. mic stand right now, right. talking about small and illiquid companies. Right. Yes. Um, 
you know, Cambria is too illiquid for most fund managers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one reason why it gets overlooked. Another reason... Probably a bigger reason why it gets overlooked. Yeah. And I think another reason is just the fact that the sector is out of favor Mm -hmm. because new car sales have been down in the UK for the last three or four years. And uh, that's the headline Mm -hmm. that everybody focuses on, even though... Um, new cars only account for about 30% of total gross profits of an auto right. dealership. Do you look at auto companies as well? I'll just change the topic a little bit. I, I don't really look at them, no. Okay. Uh, it's I think it's not a great business. Well, uh, it's not. Right. <laughs> uh, historically, it hasn't been. Um, and um, I mean, there had been talks of that there might be more consolidation and mm-hmm. that there there is some low hanging fruit to to cut costs. Yeah, Sergio did a presentation years ago at Fiat mm-hmm. where he it is actually a pretty cool slide presentation. He talks about mm-hmm. his vision for consolidation in the industry. Yeah, have you, have you seen that at all? I've heard about that okay. recently. Uh, someone told me about that, and. Um, uh, and I guess they're trying to to do that right now with the uh, the possible merger. With, what it, seem, uh, what it seems like. Have you have you looked at Fiat out of curiosity? Because no, that was a big Pabri holding. Not really, no. And I know it's run up a lot. And uh, but no, I, I think you know I, I wouldn't rule it out because I just I don't know it. Yeah. Uh, but my only thought is that auto manufacturing is a really tough business. Yeah. And historically, it's not been a great business for very many companies at all. So, the counter argument is you could say, well, airlines used to be like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. I I still don't own any, yeah. any airlines. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. If you had an own airline, though, which one would you own? You know what? There's one. I think it's called Dart Group. Uh, it's a UK company that Never I did that. look at a little bit a few okay. years ago. Stock ran up though, um, but they—it's—I uh, um, don't know too much about it. But they—they um, uh, they do like charter flights, so they fly okay, yeah. British people to yeah. Southern Europe for vacations, and they also have a contract with uh, the Royal Mail, I think, in the UK huh. to move mail, and they then they started a like a like a holiday business as well right uh, around the time that i that i looked at it or maybe a little before before that uh, as well and they don't they're very different from other airlines you know they've been consistently profitable historically the balance sheet is very strong uh, i think they own their aircraft whereas okay. a lot of the airlines they lease their planes so yeah they have a bunch of debt on the planes so I think it's not your typical airline. We just talked about an airline leasing company in uh, the most recent podcast that, mm-hmm. that I just did. Yeah. Um, so, AirCap. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 I, incidentally, I think that... We had, uh, uh, J- I interviewed Jeremy Raper, and he has a big position in AirCap. Okay. So Yeah. That, yeah. And the CEO of that company is a pretty interesting dude as well, if you've ever listened to any of his conference calls. Never have, no. He's, no. he's, worth, he's worth listening to, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those like you could tell he's kind of like a kind of a special kind of CEO. Okay, a little different in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, yeah. and I, I suspect it's a better business than running an airline, though. Uh, and I, I actually, I used to look a lot at uh, the um, 
enhanced equipment trust certificates, double ETCs and ETCs and similar kinds of aircraft backed securities back in like the mid 2000s. Okay. Um, like in the aftermath of the airline and during the airline bankruptcies. And um, yeah, it's much better to be secured creditor, I think, um, than owning an airline. I'm sure it's changed a little bit because of the consolidation, but still. Yeah. I I hope they go bankrupt again one day. I'll (laughs) I'll look at those uh, WTCs and and those kinds of things once again. That's funny. Um, what about energy? Do you want to talk about energy? We don't have to. Um, I. But I know that I, we have you know, talked a little privately about energy. Yeah, I don't have much I can say about energy okay. at this point. All I'll say is that it's interesting it's, to pick your brain. So yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be one of the most out of favor sectors in the markets. Like, Do you know what the return for oil companies has been the last ten years? I just read this. Um, actually, I heard the stat on CNBC like the other day. Not good. It's up six percent for the decade. Okay, cumulatively, not annualized. Oh, cumulatively. Yeah, yeah, and that's a very, very. I mean, pretty much one of the strongest markets we've ever had, right? Yeah. In the stock market. No, no kidding. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the sector is extremely out of favor. And especially in the last year or so, a lot of stocks are down so much. Uh, and I'm I'm looking at things. Uh, I'm, I don't have anything I'm ready to talk about at yep. this point. And um, maybe for uh, a future podcast. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And um, uh, and I will just say that you know energy companies they they tend to have poor capital allocation. Uh, sometimes poor corporate governance, um, and most of them have shitty balance sheets. So in general, I would rather be a debt holder than an equity holder. Yeah. Of course, it depends on the company. Um, I, you know, I looked at the Whiting bonds in early 2016, which was, you know, not too long after the decline yep. in oil prices, and the Whiting unsecured bonds uh, traded very quickly from almost par in the 90s down to about 40 cents on the dollar and you know I spent six weeks looking at um, at the company and um, by the time I was done the bonds had rallied significantly and yeah. they soon traded at like 90 again so uh, I missed it yeah. that time um, but I think they're trading around 60 now, so it might be time to uh, take another look at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in energy, you you prob- in general, you probably want to own the debt, and you probably want to own debt that's very senior in the, in the capital structure, yeah. not where you have a lot of secured debt ahead of you. All right, makes and, sense. And, and a lot of them actually don't. Most of them have mostly, if not exclusively, Unsecured debt. Is that true? Yeah, it was true for Whiting when huh. I looked at it, I th- as far as I remember. Uh, and that's a good thing. So yeah, you can well, actually, yeah. you can buy the bonds because anyone can buy the bonds. Yeah. So. Well, interesting. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm looking at stuff in energy. I feel like I'm, I'm going to do something in energy and I, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back in, in a few in months a little maybe. While. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, hey, Christian, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to be any, here. Any last words? 
I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Uh, I always uh, enjoy listening to the podcast and, and being on as well. Cool. All right. Well, uh, great to have you on, and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. See ya. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.